0: radio Influence this is beyond the badge on radio influence a look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now one of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts vincent hill
1: Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you, of course, from Atlanta, Georgia. I want to thank you for joining me on this Tuesday evening. You could have been anywhere right now at 8 o'clock Tuesday, but you decided to stop by and listen to this crazy guy talk to you for a few minutes about top police cases facing the country. I appreciate it. I hope everyone had a safe holiday season. I hope no one was out drinking and driving because you know that is illegal. You will get pulled over I used to be the guy pulling you over, remember that. But I hope everyone had a safe holiday. Everyone is back to work today. I know everyone woke up kind of like I did, like, oh my God, I need coffee to get through this day. But I made it through, and now I'm here talking to you. I want to say thank you to all of those who actually gave us the holiday that many of us take for granted. Now, I was one of those that wore an Army uniform very proudly for nine years of my life, but I want to thank those that gave the ultimate sacrifice who died protecting this country's freedom. And again, we know it's an election year. We know there's Democrats, there's Republicans, there's Tea Parties, there's whatever party, there's all of these parties out there. But let's remember, it was those that died that gave the ultimate sacrifice, their lives fighting for this country that were able to actually have these protests at Donald Trump rallies. We're able to Say things about Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders because they paid the ultimate sacrifice. I thank you for that. I appreciate you for that. And you are never, ever forgotten. Now, I want to talk about something tonight that is really near and dear to me. It really is a touchy subject, and it's the release of videotape footage of these police incidents, especially, especially before the case even goes to trial. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about something very sickening that I saw, and I'm going to talk about the video, and then I'm going to get into why I don't think police videos should be released. On Sunday, a police officer in Columbus, Georgia, I believe it was Harris County, was shot during a traffic stop in broad daylight. So that just goes back to what I've always said, there's nothing routine in police work, There's no such thing as a routine traffic stop. This guy pulled over a vehicle for a traffic infraction. He was shot. He was shot in the eye. In the eye. Of course, the suspects fled. He later turned himself in. There were three people in the car. I believe the shooter was wanted in another state. He was black. The officer was white. So the first thing that ticks me off is (laughs) I don't hear too much national Outrage about this case. This black man shot a white police officer in the eye for simply doing his job, pulling a car over that was doing a traffic infraction. Now, the second thing that has me a little sick is that some citizen actually recorded the officer laying on the ground while he's being attended to. They're zooming in on his gunshot wound. So you basically see a bullet hole in this officer's eye. And the video is for about 5 minutes and in the video you can actually see the person recording it stepping in blood. You see other people around the scene stepping over what could be potentially crucial to the case, could be evidence. So it sickened me that someone would A film this because here's an officer laying fighting for his life with a hole in his eye. And B, that they would even post it. Now, me being the news savvy, gotta get the story out there type of guy that I am, I would never, ever, ever take my cell phone and record an officer laying on the ground fighting for his life and zoom in on a bullet hole because A, it's disrespectful. B, that officer has a family. So let's say that they see this video on World Star, Twitter, Facebook or wherever before the department can even notify them that their husband, their brother, their father has been shot in the line of duty. Then what? Can you imagine being that family and seeing this? It's sick that you would even put it out there. And now what's more disturbing is when you think about it, when this goes to trial and it will go to trial because From what I understand, the officer is recovering, which is, you know, very, very good that he's recovering. Now, keep in mind, he was shot over the eye, so it's probably safe to say his career is over, but when this goes to trial, think about what's going to happen. A defense attorney is going to push for all types of evidence to be thrown out because, oh, look, there's... A lot of people walking around the officer, contaminating what could be potential evidence. The person that shot this video, look, is filming on the blood where they just walked through. They contaminated the crime scene. We need to throw this evidence out, Your Honor. We need to throw out the fact that, yes, the officer walked several steps away from his car before he fell to the ground. We need to throw all of that out because this whole crime scene is contaminated. So we don't know exactly where my client would have shot the officer if the officer wasn't shot at a later time because look how far away he is from his car. We need to throw all this out, Your Honor. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So to the person that taped that, I don't know what you were were thinking. Maybe, and I know it was a black female that taped it because she showed herself in it. I don't know, maybe it was... A way to say, oh, let's get back at the white police officers that have been doing this to black people? I don't know. But just think about this, young lady. If that was your son, your brother, your husband, your cousin, your baby daddy, whoever, if that was them laying on that ground with the bullet hole in their eye, would you want someone standing over them and recording it and putting it out for the world to see? I don't think you would. I'm just guessing, but I don't think you would, nor should you have done that to that officer's family who now has to watch this daily. So that kind of takes me into tonight's topic, and it's about releasing videotape of police incidents to the public, should we or shouldn't we do it? And Chicago, and you know how I feel about Chicago and their crime rates and... All of that good stuff. I mean, just over Memorial Day weekend, four people were shot and killed. And how many shootings did they have? Quite a bit. 49. 49 people in the city of Chicago have been injured and four others killed by Monday morning. By Monday morning. 49. 49 people. So, the city of Chicago with one of the highest crime rates in the nation, if not the highest, has now said that they're going to release as many as 100 videos from police shootings and other incidents. And, of course, this sparked because of the whole Laquan McDonald shooting video. Then Major Rahm Emanuel, who I've had my personal opinions about him as well, came up with this Police Accountability Task Force. And they feel this is a good way to restore trust between the public and... In the police department. Well, first of all, I think there needs to be trust between the police department and the public. Because just remember what I just said. 49 people. Four dead. I'm thinking it's still not a police problem going on in Chicago. So they're going to release videos. They're going to release police reports. 911 calls. And incident reports where use of force had to be used. And this is supposedly going to restore trust between the citizens of Chicago and the police department. But my personal opinion about that, it's a crock of poo poo. Because here's why I don't care what you show someone to say, oh, this officer was justified. Yes, he tasted him, but he was justified. Oh, this officer was justified. Yes. He struck him in the face with his fist, but he was justified. Oh, this officer was justified. Yes, he shot this individual, but the individual had a knife. I don't care what you say, how you spin it. The fact is that the public, the communities in Chicago, especially the black communities, do not understand nor do they care to understand what the actual use of force is, what it calls for and what it allows. So when you release these videos you're still gonna have the same problem of trust between the community and the police department. But you're gonna have bigger problems and let's talk about some of those bigger problems. First of all you're going to have every attorney, every race-baiting attorney, every jailhouse lawyer, every street lawyer want to get their hands on these videos. Now, according to this report, this is supposed to start this coming Thursday, day after tomorrow, that Chicago's going to release all these videos, these reports, these 911 calls, all of this good stuff. So you're going to have all these attorneys jumping at the bit to go get some videos, to go hype some family up, saying they have a lawsuit. And in some cases now, I'm not saying that In some cases, they won't have a lawsuit. I'm not saying that every one of these videos of use of force is going to be justified. That's not what I'm saying. But you're going to open Pandora's box to that. For all these people to think they have a claim. To get let down by the Benjamin Crumps and all of these other attorneys that are going to come in like vultures. And suck these families dry. Suck their hope dry. And suck the city dry for millions of dollars that they're going to ask for and the city's going to give because just look at what happened in Freddie Gray. His family got $6.4 million and they still haven't been able to get a conviction on any of those officers. So you're going to have that. And the article also said that videos will be released within 60 days of the incident. Why? What sense does that make? Because let's look at a criminal trial if a family member is saying something is criminal. A a criminal trial is not going to take place within 60 days. So this family gets this video. They show it to their friends, who show it to their friends, who show it to their friends, who turn it into CNN, CBS, ABC, BET, QTV, HLN TV, you name it, the Home Shopping Network, All of these networks are going to have this video. It's going to air a hundred times. So if it is a criminal trial, guess what? Do you honestly think you can find an impartial jury to say, yes, your honor, I don't hold any bias bias against this officer. I can sit on this jury. Sure. That is going to skew a jury so bad because they've seen evidence of the case before the case even went to trial. And what justice system do we do that in? Certainly not the United States justice system because evidence of a trial is supposed to be protected and under lock and key until the trial starts. So essentially the minute someone gets their hands on a video, whether it's a deadly use of force, a taser, hand to hand, pepper spray, you name it. That video's out for everyone to see and for everyone to make their opinion. Again, the average person knows nothing about the use of force, nothing about the use of force continuum, and nothing about what an officer is justified in doing in the line of duty. All they're going to say is, "Oh, look how he hit him. Oh, he pepper sprayed him. Oh, He tased him. He tased him. Oh, they didn't have to tase him. Oh, they could have shot him in the leg. Oh, I know he had a gun, but they could have shot him in the leg. Nope. That's not how it works. But that's what people expect. And those people will be the main ones messing up any semblance of a fair trial for these officers. And there's the chance, let's be honest, that It could backfire on the people that are complaining, the people that want justice. Look at Freddie Gray. That video really has played no part in his trial. Look at Michael Brown. There was a video that played a huge part in his trial, and it wasn't the one of him laying on the ground. It was the one of him robbing the store just before he died. Look at Eric Gardner. Do I think that was murder? I have my personal opinions in that case, But that video did not determine the outcome of that case because it goes back to the preponderance of the evidence, the totality of the evidence, and what a reasonable officer would deem as justified. So you're going to have all these videos out here. You're going to have people blasting it everywhere. It's going to make a more hostile environment towards police because people are going to say, well, shoot. I'll beat you before you beat me. You don't believe me? Ask the officer in Columbus, Georgia, who was shot this past Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning for stopping a car. All because this guy didn't want to go back to jail. Hmm. Now, had that been the other way around, people would be demanding to see his dash cam camera. I want to see his dash cam video. He didn't have to shoot him. He didn't have to shoot him. Oh, we know they found the gun in the car, but he wasn't going to shoot the officer. He didn't have to shoot him. So we can't have it both ways, right? Right. Now let's look at this even bigger picture. A video is out there with the officer's name on it because that's going to come with the video. Or a report is out there with the officer's name on it. Or... Something, a video, uh, an audio tape is out there with the officer's name on it. In this day and age, I can find someone in 30 seconds or less. I can tell you where they live, their birthday, their mama's birthday, their baby mama's birthday. I can tell you all of that in 30 seconds or less. So now the city of Chicago is willing to allow their officer's public information to be compromised. I don't care what safeguards they claim they're going to put on it, it is not that hard to find somebody. It is not that hard to find somebody. Now let's look at these people in this society that have no problem killing police. Let's look at the people in society that think police are the devil. Let's not forget there were people riding in Ferguson, in Baltimore, in New York saying kill the police. Kill the police. Kill the police. Die, pig, die. All pigs go to heaven. All of this crap that people were saying. So now the city of Chicago, the most crime-ridden city, is willing to put their officers at risk. Now, if I was an officer in the city of Chicago, I would A, be looking to get out of that line of work, or B, be looking to take my profession somewhere else to another city that is more concerned of protecting its officers than it is to appease a community when they should be teaching that community police compliance, an understanding of use of force, crime prevention, crime prevention. Let me say it one more time. Crime prevention. 49 people in one weekend shot, four dead, crime prevention. So let's look at these 49 people. Let's say on five of those cases, police were there, they had body cams, they had dash cams, and they had to shoot someone. It wouldn't matter that the person. Now keep in mind, 49 people shot. That means somebody had a gun. It wouldn't matter that this person had a gun. Oh, we want to see the video. They didn't have to kill him. We want to see the video. Oh, it was Officer Johnson. Now we know what Officer Johnson looked like. looks like. Now we need to go kill Officer Johnson. Now we need to go harass him. We need to go by his house. We need to blow up his Facebook. We need to blow up his Twitter. We need to put his face everywhere. Because it was Officer Johnson's fault. I understand, Tyrone had a gun, but he didn't have to shoot Tyrone. Officer Johnson did not have to shoot Tyrone. We want the video. But nobody's demanding the video of the 49 people shot, the four that died, one being a 15-year-old little girl who just happened to be riding in someone's Jeep. Wrong place one time. Wrong place, wrong time. And I'm sure there's street video Street surveillance cameras that probably captured that, but I don't hear the family demanding the video for that. I don't hear Black Lives Matter demanding the video for that. I don't hear Al Sharpton, the fat or the skinny one, demanding the video. Jesse Jackson, since he lives in Chicago, I don't hear him demanding the video. Nobody's demanding these videos unless it has something to do with the police. So here's my thinking on these videos and this release of basically evidence. If Chicago wants to do that, fine, but there needs to be controls on it. What controls, you might ask? Well, A, it should only be allowed to go to the family. Said family, in turn, should have to sign a disclosure that says, I will not release this video to the media, to World Star, to Twitter, to Facebook, to whatever book, Snapchat, whatever, or I will face either a fine, prosecution, whatever. Now, if the case has gone to court, gone to trial, then yes, it is public information. We all know that. That's why you can get Whitney Houston's crime scene photos, O.J. Simpson's crime scene photos. You can get all that because it's gone to trial, the case has been found, whatever, however it was found, and it is now public record because the case is closed. But let's look at the Laquan McDonald incident. They released that video of him being shot. The officer wasn't even charged yet. But the whole world has seen that video. It's evidence of a impending crime. So why are we releasing the video? That would be like if I went and stabbed someone. And stabbed him 10 times. And the police have the bloody knife. And they haven't even charged me with it. But now they want to go ahead and auction this knife off. To the highest bidder. How are you going to have me in court. And have a fair and impartial trial. You've already given the evidence away. You've tainted, tainted the evidence. It is the same with these videos. How can you have a fair and impartial trial. When everyone knows that. Yes, I'm the officer that shot your son. Yes, you saw me shoot them. Yes, you have your opinion on it, but please don't judge me. Please only focus on the evidence. No one's going to focus on the evidence. They're just going to focus on what they see in that two-minute video, that 30-second video or that one-minute video of that officer using force against someone and then the outcome of it. That's all they're going to focus on. You know, someone in Los Angeles, because it's not just Chicago that's demanding these videos, it's it's nationwide, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Greensboro, Seattle, Seattle PD even have a YouTube channel for their body cams. So it's not just the Chicago epidemic, but someone in LA said something and I want to read it and it is genius and it makes sense and it goes to what I was just saying about what people are only going to focus on. And it says this. Video is only useful if the persons watching the video have enough education and training to understand precisely what it is they're watching in context. And if, if they can override personal bias. And that is the big factor that I don't think can be overwritten. Personal bias. Because for the last four or five years, all we've been seeing and hearing is black suspect white officer white officer kills black suspect white chicago police officer shoots unarmed black male white chicago police officer shoots black male with with a knife 16 times white police officer shoots unarmed michael brown white police officers broke freddie gray's neck this is all we've heard for the last four or five years so how can you honestly tell me Even if you're watching a video, my listeners, even if you're watching a video, and I know most of you, most of you, most of you that listen to this show are either in law enforcement, know someone in law enforcement, respect law enforcement, or have a pretty good idea of what reasonable is. But how can the average person sit here and convince me that they're going to be able to take personal bias out of a video? I can do it all day, every day. Prime example, the Walter Scott shooting in Charleston. The officer, I can't remember his name right now, the one being charged with murder. I watched that video. I watched from the time of the traffic stop up until the time of the shooting. I don't have any personal bias, but based on my training, based on my education, based on what the officer said in his report, it is my conclusion that, yes, he did murder Walter Scott because his statement was, He was getting my taser. I had to fire. But when you watch the video, he's running away. He shoots him. Then he places the taser next to him. Clear case of murder. Now let's look at a video that's a little harder to disseminate. For me, it's easy. Freddie Gray. It was a textbook takedown, textbook use of force. But look at everyone that was around Freddie Gray at the time of his arrest. Oh, you don't got to twist him up like that, man. You don't got to tie him up like that, man. You don't got to do this, man. And look what happened in Baltimore based on that video. Because people couldn't take their personal bias. The city of Baltimore couldn't take their personal bias out of the video. And all they saw were two white officers putting Freddie Gray in the van. And all of a sudden, boom, it's racial These officers are killers. They should be in prison. But they saw the same video I saw where if you ask any police officer that watches that video, he's going to tell you that was by the book. Those officers did nothing wrong in that takedown. His neck, whatever happened in the van had nothing to do with those officers' actions, hence why Officer Nero got off last week, hence why William Porter's trial ended in a hung jury. But the community society, the Black Lives Matter movement, the race baiters, all of those couldn't take personal bias out of watching the video. So this person in L.A. went further to say, and this is genius, it's genius, it says the public with neither military or police training, because he was talking about military and police training and how even military and police train differently. But public with neither military or police training and typically having next to no context in which to understand the subtle clues that typically precede a deadly force encounter, then end up viewing these same videos from a position of deep ignorance and fill in the blanks in such a way as to validate their world views. That's it. Their world views. In the current world that we live in, white police are the bad guys, anybody that's black, that is unarmed is a good guy anybody that's black that has a knife is a good guy anybody that's black and has a gun is a good guy as long as he's shot by a white officer or a police officer in general they're all good guys because they didn't deserve to die that's their perception that's why a police officer a judge can watch a video and say, yep, that officer was justified, and a citizen with no training, no education, with this already predetermined mindset of what police do and what they are, can watch that video and say, oh no, this is murder, this person should go to jail, he is a bad person, we're going to sue his family, we're going to sue him, we're going his, to sue his second grade teacher, we're going to sue his gym teacher, we're suing everybody that was known to this guy because he is a murderer and the video proves it. So, do I think video should be released? Like I said, if it has controls, especially if that case hasn't gone to trial, if there is an impending trial or if there is discussion of possibly charging an officer with a crime, the video should not be released. It should not be made public. That's my opinion. Now we can't prevent the cell phone videos. We can't prevent those, you know, from the people posting stuff on World Star and only posting their point of view from the time of escalation and not getting everything else. We can't stop those, but police dash cam police body cams dispatch records yeah we can stop those and again this is not this has nothing to do with transparency and you know appeasing the community and making relations better but if there is an impending trial if there's a chance of a trial do not release the evidence it's that simple now if there's been no trial there's been a grand jury, and they've decided not to indict, and the case is closed. By all means, yeah. If the video needs to be made public, make it public. That's when we can be transparent. But just because of Michael Brown and Freddie Gray and Eric Gardner and Tamir Rice doesn't mean that this country, this society, this justice system, these police departments should totally change. What they're doing just to appease people. Because sometimes appeasing people does more bad than good. I don't see a win-win in a lot of these situations. The Laquan McDonald video. People stormed the mayor's mansion after that was released in Chicago. The Freddie Gray video. Of course, that was a cell phone video, but you see the outcome of it so just to appease someone sometimes is not the answer sometimes the answer is to be able to say we understand where you're coming from but since this is a pending legal case we have no choice but to hold the video and if you want to preach oh you're not being transparent you got something to hide i'll take that lick versus taking the lick of jeopardizing the entire case Which is what anyone in this country, citizen or police officer, they're afforded the right to a fair, fair trial. But if a million people have already seen him or her, this officer, lay hands on someone or pull the trigger and kill someone, where is their fair trial? There isn't one. You get a jury of 12. Then they watch the video. Then... Those 12 decide, did this officer kill this person justifiably or unjustifiably? Then a verdict is met. But when the entire world has seen this video, how can you honestly tell me you're going to find 12 people in that city that can honestly sit there and say, I'm impartial, I don't have any bias. Dash cams and body cams are not the magical solution that will end the controversy about officer-involved shootings and use of force. Now, people complain that all officers should wear body cams as more departments are going to body cams. You still have this argument about how police are policing. Remember, I had this conversation months ago, months ago, and I even said this on Al Jazeera. The average police officer who is wearing a body cam, who is doing his job justifiably in the actions of his duty, using the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest or protect his life, is not going to care anything about this body cam that he's wearing, or the dash cam for that matter. If he's acting in accordance with policy, in accordance with the law, he is going to be justified in his actions. The video is going to show that. We've seen that time and time again where officers are not being charged after grand juries have watched videos, after judges have watched videos, because they're acting based on their training and their education. Remember, people watching these videos don't have that training or that education. And most importantly, let's not forget this. Just because a police officer has a dash cam or a body cam doesn't stop a bad guy from wanting to fight, kill, injure that police officer because their intent is to hurt that police officer and get away. They could care less about this dash camera, this body cam video. I can't tell you how many times we've seen body cam video of officers being attacked. So just because police are wearing dash cam, body cam, I'm sorry, video cameras, doesn't necessarily mean someone's not going to attempt to cause that officer harm so again it goes back to the officer acting in accordance with the use of force IAW in accordance with the use of force and protecting his life over the life of the bad guy all right enough about that let me get into my roll call but before I do that I want to send my prayers out to Harris County Deputy Jamie White—he's the one I talked about at the beginning of the show—who was shot in the eye, and some bystander videotaped him. Uh, if you want to see that sick video, it's on—it's all over Facebook. Um, I think it's on World Star at this point. You know, again, to me it's sickening, but my prayers out to him for a recovery, a full recovery. My prayers go out to his family because at the end of the day, police are human. They have the same needs, the same situations as everyone else. And those needs are to take care of their family. This is why they do what they do. So my prayers out to Deputy uh, Jamie White there in Harris County, Georgia, um, who was shot this past Sunday on a traffic stop at 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, my roll call. Police officer David Van Glasser, Phoenix Police Department, Phoenix, Arizona. End of watch was May 19th, 2016. By a gunshot that he received the day prior, the homeowner of a home called 911, said his son was stealing stuff from the house. As police arrived, the son was in a van. Attempting to leave, he immediately opened fire on the officers, striking Officer Glasser, who died the next day. From his gunshot wounds, Officer Glasser served the Phoenix Police Department for a total of twelve years. He is survived by his wife and two children. Again, remember, police are humans; they have needs, necessities as regular human beings do, and one of those needs and necessities is to be able to take care, protect, and provide for our families and Now Officer Glasser can no longer do that because. Some son decided to break into his dad's house. And when police came to do their jobs, he decided to shoot Officer Glasser, taking him away from his sons. So not only is the son that was breaking in his house, his dad's house now dead because police officers returned fire and killed him. Now this officer that was doing his job protecting and serving can no longer protect and take care of his family. So, Officer Glasser, Godspeed to you. My prayers are to your family. My prayers are to your two children that will no longer see your face again. Thank you for your service. I want to thank you for listening. I will see you next week, 8 p.m. Eastern, exclusively right here, right here, right here on RadioInfluence.com. I'm Vincent Hill. Thank you and good night.
0: To continue the conversation... Get updates on the show. And to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an MMA Insiders with Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan Quick Fix on Radio Influence.
2: You know, Sam, obviously the the major news dropped on, uh, what was it, Uh, late uh, Wednesday afternoon. And, you know, I I got a hold of of the lawsuit. You've got a hold of this lawsuit as well. And and I think we both had kind of the same reaction after we read it and simply is, wow. I mean, it's an incredible read. It's out there online. I know MMAfighting.com has posted the entire lawsuit. So you can read it. A lot and look and of course we're we're five minutes into this show and someone asked uh you know what what the over under us of of Sam saying I'm not a lawyer and of course Twenty
3: one <laughs> is the answer to that question twenty one times if if we, and I just sent out a tweet we're gonna play the MMA MMA insider's drinking game every time I say I'm not a lawyer but you've got to take a shot so you know pause the show go go to your liquor cabinet get some brown liquor. Whiskey, Jägermeister, whatever it is, your drink of choice. Uh, get ready because you will be drunk pretty early into this show.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, and first off, let's let's just throw this out there. These are allegations that Zach Light. You know, used to be a Bellator employee is throwing at Scott Coker, uh, Rich Chu, and the Bellator staff there. So let's just kind of put that out there. And this was filed on May the 24th in the Superior Court of California, the County of Los Angeles. And, you know, and the complaint is for wrongful termination based on public policy and a jury trial is demanded and first off in terms of what's going on here i think bellator is kind of handling this very bad honestly um they're they're essentially saying because it's a legal situation they're not going to comment which has always been um the, the way they've handled this situation but i'm sitting there going when you have these type of major allegations being thrown at you and you're not commenting i think that looks bad on bellator sam am i well, wrong
3: well they can't comment it's it's not in Bellator's hands. It's in the hands of Viacom Legal. And Viacom Legal, I guarantee you, they came in and they said, you guys will not comment about this on the record anywhere. And that's because they're probably doing their own internal investigation. The the lawyers that are going to be representing Viacom, they need to know exactly what happened. These are very serious allegations. They don't know all the cards that Zach Light and his attorney are holding. So I guarantee what they're doing right now, they're doing their own investigation. They're probably going through all the emails of Rich Chu, Scott Coker. Wouldn't surprise me if they've even asked for access to their uh, cell phones and text messages. And they're trying to see if there's any kind of paper trail, if, if there's any... Uh, you know, anything that they as a company have to be severely worried about and you're not going to have Scott Coker, Rich Chu come out and deny these accusations until you have all the evidence that that's, that's out there. You know, they, they need to figure out whether or not this is truly a he said versus he said situation or if there's some shreds of evidence in the cloud, up in the cloud, so to speak. Um, So, you know, any lawyer worth their salt is not going to allow anybody to comment on this for the record. You know, it it just doesn't make at least not initially. I mean, that's just that's just not how it's just not how things are done. So I I think Bellator, they're handling it the only way they can possibly handle it right now.
2: And in the summary of claims and right at the beginning of the lawsuit, you know, talks about, uh, you know, the health and safety of professional fires and mixed martial artists also saying that the plaintiff, which would be Zach Light, was shunned, harassed, slandered, and demeaned in an attempt to discredit and sabotage him. Uh, also goes on to say that, uh, you know, Zach was forced to go on a medical leave and was thereafter wrongfully terminated when he was attempted to return from medical leave. Now, this is a, this is a story that I want to share here now. You know, it was after Bellator 136 when Zach, and, and this is in the lawsuit, that is when he took his medical leave from Bellator. And it was probably two or three months after that, Sam. I got a tip that in, no one had seen Zach around Bellator events. And, and I had some people kind of asking me what was going on. I was like, all right, let me, let me, uh, you know, reach out to some people. Within, within, literally, Sam, I'm not making this. five minutes of me asking someone in Bellator. About Zach Light, I get a phone call in my office, and based on the area code, I pretty much figured it was Bellator. It was Bellator HR asking why I was asking about Zach Light, one of their employees. Wow. And I said, you know, Zach is a matchmaker with Bellator. I'm a reporter. I am hearing that maybe he's not a part of the picture anymore. This is a news story. If, if Zach Light's not a part of the matchmaking process in Bellator. And the response was, okay, we'll get back to you. Sam, do you think they ever got back to me?
0: No. The MMA Insiders with Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.